When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Bringing you the best story, best trends, and best game from the best conference. Fourth and manageable. An SEC football podcast. Brought to you by 2400 Sports. Now, here's Brad Edwards. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm Brad Edwards, and this is 4th and Manageable, our new podcast on SEC football. This is week three of the college football season, which means that we just recently had the polls to begin week three. And as we expected, the AP poll moved Georgia to number one after Alabama's close call at Texas on Saturday. This is the 27th consecutive AP poll with either Alabama or Georgia as the number one team. Go back to the end of the 2020 season when Alabama was number one for the final eight weeks. Then Alabama started last season number one until they were replaced by Georgia after Alabama's loss at Texas A&M. Georgia obviously number one all the way through to the SEC championship game. Alabama upsets Georgia, Alabama moves to number one, and then Georgia, after winning the national championship game against Alabama, they went to number one for the final poll of the 2021 season. Alabama, preseason number one for 2022, and had uh, two weeks at number one before being replaced by Georgia. So 27 consecutive weeks with one of those two SEC teams being ranked number one. Very impressive. Now, what was unexpected from Sunday's polls is that the coaches did not drop Alabama. They kept them at number one, and so uh, Georgia number two in the coaches' poll behind the tide. And it creates a rare situation of split number ones. This used to happen fairly often in college football, but but since the the BCS-slash-playoff era, where there just became a lot more of a consolidation of everything and I think a lot more uniformity in thought, um, the, the way that everybody kind of looks at the rankings. Uh, it's become much more rare uh, for there to be a, a week where you don't have two teams or two different teams ranked number one. I'm sorry, it's been become much more rare to have a week where there are two different teams ranked number one. And... What's uh, even more uncommon is to have the the split number ones in the two polls both be from the same conference. Uh, but it's not the first time uh, that it's happened in this BCS slash playoff era. In fact, it's the fourth time that one conference has had both number one in the AP poll and a different team 
number one in the coaches poll. And surprise, 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 all four times it's been the SEC. So the last time this happened was in the 2019 season, not that long ago, in both week 10 and week 11. LSU was number one in the AP poll and Alabama was number one in the coaches poll, just like we have this week with Georgia and Alabama. And then week eight of 2009, it was Alabama was number one in the AP poll and Florida was number one in the coaches poll. So those are the only four times this has happened in the the BCS slash playoff era, which goes back to the 1998 season. And um, all four times that, that a conference has done this, it has been the SEC. No big surprise because clearly the SEC is the league that has dominated college football over that span. Also, in the poll on Sunday, Kentucky moved up to number nine. And it is the first time that Kentucky's been ranked in the top 10 since 2007. It was a little bit of a surprise to me when I saw that. Uh, but I looked back and I saw that Mark Stoops' teams in recent years, two different seasons had made it to number 11, but they never quite made it into the top 10. So first time for the Wildcats in the top 10 since 2007. They haven't won a game as a top 10 team since 1977. When when they got into that top 10 in 2007, they were, I believe it was 5-0 and to start the season. They They were ranked number eight. And then they went to South Carolina on a Thursday night. They were upset, and they dropped way back out of the out of the top ten. But the next week, they played at home against number one LSU. They pulled the upset. I believe it was triple overtime. It was at least double overtime. And they vaulted back to number eight. And then that week, they lost to Florida. So they actually were ranked in the top ten two different weeks in that 2007 season, and they lost both times they took the field with that number eight next to their name. So uh, they play Youngstown State on Saturday. So you would certainly think that Kentucky this weekend will win its first game as a top 10 team since 1977. Uh, What's also interesting is with Kentucky now uh, having ended that drought of being in the top 10, the only SEC school that has not been ranked in the top 10 of the AP poll at some point in the last 10 seasons is Vanderbilt. And it's not a surprise, you know, that that Vanderbilt hasn't done it, but every other school in the SEC, at least one week in the last 10 seasons, so since 2013, has been in the top 10, uh, which is pretty amazing. And And it shows the depth of the conference and, you know, we're going to add two more teams to the league in, you know, just a couple of seasons with, with Texas and Oklahoma. And, and you would think that, that sometime uh, in the first few seasons in the league that Texas and Oklahoma will be ranked in the top 10. So it just goes to speak to the overall depth of the league that you can have that many teams. And, you know, from one season to the next, that you know, you might not have the, the same, I mean, look, outside of Alabama and Georgia, you might not have the same teams that are on top all the time, but you're going to have a lot of competition year in and year out throughout the rest of the league. And uh, I think you just, you see that through that particular stat or trend or, or whatever you want to call it. Also uh, in the top 10 this week is Arkansas. Arkansas is at, at number 10, one spot behind 
number nine, Kentucky. And you see four SEC teams now with uh, with Georgia, Alabama, Kentucky, and Arkansas in the top 10. And uh, I saw a, a clip uh, from Sam Pittman's press conference uh, earlier this week where he mentioned um, Bobby Petrino's teams and the success they had. And if you remember correctly, back in late in the 2011 season, there was one week where the top three teams in the nation were all from the SEC, all from the SEC West. It was number one LSU, number two Alabama, and they obviously ended up being one and two into the national championship game and, and played each other. But number three, I believe it was Thanksgiving week, uh, was Arkansas. And, and that was before Arkansas played LSU and lost and took their, their second loss of the, of the season. They ended up losing to both, uh, to both uh, LSU and Alabama that year. Um, and it, that was Bobby Petrino's team. And Sam Pittman was just making the comment that, you know, he really appreciated the job that uh, Petrino had done because it had helped them recruit. And um, the reason he was mentioning that is because um, Petrino is the coach of Missouri State, which is who uh, Arkansas is playing this week. So so Petrino coming back to Arkansas, which is a interesting aspect of this game. Um, but when I heard him say that, I was like, you know, that, that there's something to that, which is that d- despite just the 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 just drastic lows <laughs> of the program right before Sam Pittman took over, and and the lack of wins in conference play, it, it wasn't like you had to go back all that far to convince recruits that Arkansas could be really good. I mean, it was just at that point, basically ten years earlier. You know that that they had been ranked number three, and it's not like like you think about this, the situation that Nebraska's in right now is they have to replace Scott Frost. They go look for a new coach. To first of all, to convince a coach to come there that that Nebraska can still be a contender is one thing, but then for that coach to turn around and convince recruits that they can be great, it's a lot harder of a sell. Despite the history of Nebraska, which the history is much greater than what Arkansas has. But it's been so long since Nebraska was was a contender late in the season that I, I don't I don't know how many recruits are going to really buy into that at this point. And uh, you know, for Sam Pittman, he didn't have to go back that far to show when when Arkansas truly was a contender uh, for the national championship very late in the season. So it could be done and uh, i thought that was interesting and probably appropriate that he thanked bobby petrino and his staff for what they had done because it it was uh, a very um useful thing for arkansas recruiting and then one other thing now that we get off the the polls here and uh, and by the way i want to just give a, a quick uh, thank you um to uh to college poll uh, excuse me college poll archive um dot com uh, which was the source for a lot of the information that I just gave you. Um, for those of you who love to look up things on your own, bookmark that site, collegepollarchive.com. Um, they've got uh, just about anything you would want to be able to, to find on the history of the AP poll. And uh, that was where I was able to get a lot of the, the good stuff that I just shared with you. So the, the the last thing is after two weeks, I was noticing the incredible completion percentage that Will Rogers, the Mississippi State quarterback, has uh, almost 79% of his passes he's completed. And I just wanted to check and see where that ranked. And it ranks fourth, fourth nationally. 
And I'm looking at the list, and what struck me is that he is the only player of the top six right now in completion percentage who is not a transfer. You look at number one is a guy named Henry Columbi, who is the Marshall quarterback, just engineered that upset of, of Notre Dame over the weekend, who was previously at Texas Tech. Number two is Caleb Williams at USC, who just transferred from Oklahoma following Lincoln Riley there. Garrett Schrader, the former Mississippi State quarterback, is actually one spot ahead of, of Will Rogers. He's now at Syracuse, for those who didn't know. Number five is Talia Tongavailoa, to his little brother who transferred from Alabama to Maryland. And then number six is LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels, who was a transfer from Arizona State. And, and so as I'm looking at this, it just kind of reinforced to me the, the, the transfer, I don't want to say the transfer portal, because players have always been able to transfer, but the idea of being able to transfer in and play right away and how coaches are now able to use that to their advantage. And, and especially in some of these cases where there is a relatively new head coach, to be able to, to go out and find someone who already has college experience, who you know is going to fit your offensive system and plug them right in, it, it's a lot more of a quick fix than having to recruit someone right out of high school, allow them to get the experience and learn the offense and all the things that kind of go into, you know, being able to have success on that side of the ball. It's not easy. It's, it's not impossible for a true freshman to do. We've seen some good ones in recent years, but it's not easy. And, and so I think what we're really witnessing uh, as, as we look at this stat sheet here is the impact that these transfer quarterbacks can have, uh, especially with new coaches who are trying to install a new offense and they need someone right away who's a good fit for that offense. And um, it, that's just where we are right now in college football. And, it, and it's not just quarterbacks, obviously. There are a lot of positions where this happens, but it's the most important position on the field and the one that's going to have the greatest correlation to your team winning games. And and so um, it, it is a quick fix. And I think it's, it's something that we're only going to see increase is the number of quarterbacks who are transferring if they don't get the, the chance to start right away because they see things like this. They see guys who go to another school and they find a place where they fit better. And some of them have success. Now, I'm sure if we look at this list, you know, week 10, you're not going to have five of the top six be transfers. Um, but it really just shows, especially early in the season, being able to get an offense going and how important that is uh, to have someone who fits your system. So um, just just one observation on my part that I wanted to share with you. And now I'm pleased to welcome in for the first time Ashley Holder uh, joining us here on 4th and Manageable. Ashley is going to be a permanent part of this show from here forward. Might not hear on Saturdays very often, but most of the time on Tuesdays and Thursdays, she's going to be here with me talking SEC. So, Ashley, why don't you just tell everybody, first of all, what is your connection to the SEC? And mm -hmm. second, what have you been doing for the last few years? Well, I think it's definitely important to say that I went to the best school in the nation, which is the University of Tennessee. So I am. Oh, I'm surrounded. I am a ball. Yes. Shout out to Tyler Bray. That's a part of the show as well. Hopefully I'll get to talk to him soon. We actually went to school together. So there's a fun note right there, which he probably has no idea. He probably has no idea who I am, but 
just know that I did go to school. Hey, with you me. know what? There are what 20 something other thousand people he went to school with who he doesn't know who they are either. So there you go. Exactly. But yeah, for the last couple of years, uh, man, I've been a, a few places. I've been in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, covering the Panthers and the Hornets. And then I went to CBS Sports Network for a little bit. And the last two to three years, I've actually been in uh, Buffalo, New York, covering covering the Bills, which has been what a ride, a phenomenal ride. You got a great divisional round. You had a phenomenal AFC championship game. So looking like Super Bowl, Super Bowl favorites this year. So that's what I've been doing the last couple of years. And also now I'm doing um, college football as well uh, on the sidelines for the SWAC as well. So Jackson State is making that pretty fun. That's for sure. Well, good deal. Good deal. Well, nice to have you back in college football. Um, I'm yeah. sure the NFL will miss you. And I don't know if you're going to miss Buffalo in the winter. <laughs> but, um, but I love but, look, I love a good winter. I hate the heat. I will tell you that. I hate the oh, heat. First well, back was in Florida and I was like, oh, it's hot. Well, at least you're in Charlotte. You're not in the deep yeah. south where it gets, you know, really, really hot. No. So. Yeah, there's not gonna we're not gonna worry about any snowstorms here. And if there is, then the entire state is gonna shut down. Because I was in Atlanta when they had that ice again. That's what they called it. And it was oh, a little yeah. bit of ice on the road. Right before that's the Super the Bowl mayor, that year, right? Yes. It's when the mayor told everyone to go home and it was a hot mess. It was awful. I was stuck <laughs> in my car for 15 hours. Wow. Yes. It was it was wild. And I should have wow. just stayed home, but here I was trying to just be grown and go do my errands and thinking, oh, well, this is just some ice. Everybody's not going to flip out. No, that's not what happened. Because people in the South, they just don't know what to do when snow comes or any type of ice comes. It just, it, it doesn't work for them. Yeah. And look, in defense, they they also don't have the equipment True. to clear the roads. You know, they don't have the plows and everything that there is up North. So mm -hmm. uh, exactly. that's, that, that's part of it. But you know what they do have? They do have great college football, which yes. is something they don't have in mm -hmm. well, most other places in the country, but certainly in the Northeast, they don't have it. Um, yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit about that. And uh, let's, let's take a look at uh, at week three in the oh, SEC. Yeah. yeah. First of all, I mean, real quick, Ashley, what, what, do, what are your impressions of the first two weeks in the SEC? Is there, is there anything that really surprises you through two weeks? I, for the most part, a lot of teams are two and O that you expected to be two and O, but, Anything that's really shocking to you at this stage? Yeah, I don't think anything's really been shocking. I mean, I thought the Alabama game was was amazing. Obviously, a lot of people were tuned into that game. So I think to to just see that, like, there is a lot of good competition. And now you we're talking about going into this week, right? You have a lot of people who are playing those non-conference games. So it's not as exciting. The first two right. weeks were exciting. Now we're kind of going on a little bit of a slope. But it's also good because it gives these teams who are high, like Tennessee or like Alabama, the Georgias, whatever, it gives them a lot of, you know, a lot of momentum, a lot of hype around them going into that fourth week, which is they're going to see a lot more competition rather than this week. Yeah. And and you've got these like built-in rest games mm -hmm. where, I mean, there, I think there are four uh, SEC versus FCS games this week, and then three SEC versus group of five games. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that's very typical for week three, but, but a lot of these teams played a, a bigger game yeah. last weekend. And, and so it is that opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, not have your starters out there for the full four quarters assuming that you come to play and you don't get in a stretch to the limit as, as some of them probably inevitably will. 
which you can't count out the can count out those FCS teams as well because those are the ones that will come in and upset you real quick as well. Well, and and as A and M can attest, uh, you can't count out this group of five teams either. You know, <laughs> even when you're a twenty point favorite, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know they they sneak up on you. So um, so yeah, I mean we'll we'll see if anybody gets a scare or or there's another big upset this week. But um, you know, for, for now, and we'll 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 dig more into these these mm-hmm. games on Thursday. But just now, just real quick, I just want to focus on the what we would call the bigger games, the Power Five games. So there there are three. Uh, non-conference games against Power Five, and then there are two conference games uh, in the SEC. And, you know, the the first conference game, it's really, it's tough to get excited about because Georgia, South Carolina. I mean, it's at South Carolina. And yeah, it was just a few years ago, we saw South Carolina upset Georgia as a huge underdog. I think that game was actually in Athens. Um, So it can happen, but this is, you know... Georgia just seems so focused right now. Um, Clearly the best team in the country through the first two weeks, South Carolina, you know, they, they put up a little bit of a fight at Arkansas, but if you can't do better than that at Arkansas, how are you going to hang with Georgia? They just lost a couple of, of, you know, good defensive players for the year. Just, just doesn't seem like the setup um, for an upset, but I, you know, I guess, I guess it's kind of typical of the big upsets. You don't see them coming. And I certainly don't see this being competitive. No, not at all. And obviously the the line for Georgia and South Carolina is all favorites towards Georgia right now, obviously. So that's a really good game if you're trying to bet on that <laughs> do it, right? Yeah, I mean certainly, uh certainly no no sweat there for Georgia fans going but into for, it. But Brad, let me ask you this for you. What do you want to see out of South Carolina though? Because obviously we know that Georgia is the favorites. We know that most likely they're going to be the ones that come out on top of this. So what do you think that a game like this more so does for South Carolina rather than Georgia? Yeah, I, I think considering uh, how good Georgia's defense is, and, and you know, it, it's not just this year. Obviously, they were incredible last year. Um, even before that, had had been a really good defensive team. So I think it's a great test for South Carolina's offense just to see where they are. They moved the ball fairly well against Arkansas last week, but you still you got that inconsistency, and especially with the quarterback. You know, Spencer Rattler came in from Oklahoma, a very highly touted recruit coming out of high school. It just didn't pan out for him and Norman. Transferred in, and they were hoping he would be the answer to their questions. He's just been inconsistent. Like he shows those flashes where you can see the talent that the kid has, why he was such a big time recruit. But he's just got to put it together. If he's going to make a difference for South Carolina and be able to, you know, help get them back to a bowl game, he's going to have to be more consistent. And I, I think this is a great opportunity for for him to learn and for him to to progress. I mean, it might not be pretty, but I, I think it, it's one of those where you go into it knowing you're not going to face a defense this good again the rest of the season. So if you can hold your own against Georgia you got to feel good about yourself going into the rest of the schedule. So for me, that's kind of what South Carolina wants to get out of this is just, just come away with some positive signs on offense. It kind of seems a little bit unlikely that this will be the game that he bounces back, right. To kind of prove himself and lead his team. I mean, it's like you said, it's one of the toughest defenses that he's going to go through the entire season. So it is. I mean, it's possible, but what's. Well, you know, I, I think about that because Georgia is, is now the second Alabama. You know, I mean, what Alabama has been for the last decade plus is what 
Georgia seems to have become. So now there are two of them in the conference. Mm-hmm. And and if you look at the formula that it's usually taken for a team to beat Alabama, uh, granted, Texas almost did it last week without doing this, but typically you have a quarterback who plays the game of his life. Um, a, a lot of the times when Alabama's been upset, that's what's happened. And Spencer Rattler has a high enough ceiling that if he puts it together, if you know he's in the zone and he's just hitting every throw, um, you've at least got a guy with the talent to do that. So I, I, th- I think that's where it starts when you play a Georgia or an Alabama is you have to have a quarterback who's good enough that if he if he's on his game, that he can make certain plays that you have to make to win. And, and um, you know, and I think that's that's what makes you feel like you have a chance if you're South Carolina. Yeah, that's definitely going to be we'll say a good game to watch, but we already know the outcome. But again, a bigger one for more so South Carolina than Georgia. Moving to Mississippi State and LSU. What are you most excited to see out of that matchup? Which some people are saying Mississippi State could upset LSU. Yeah, I mean, some people I don't even think would call it an upset. Um, Vegas, I think, has it as pretty much a toss-up game. You know, LSU didn't look very good, obviously, um, against Florida State in the opening game. And, and that's really all we have to go off of. It's, it's hard to read too much into, into last week's game against Southern, even though they, you know, they just blew the doors off right out of the gate. Mississippi State has looked good. Um, I, I realize that they haven't played a ranked team, uh, but, but you know, Memphis is is usually a solid group of five team, and they handled them easily in the opener. They went out last week and they won easily at Arizona, which mm-hmm. has not been very good in recent years. But Arizona in week one had blown out San Diego State on the road, a game that they weren't expected to win and they won it easily. So there are reasons to be you know, excited if you're Mississippi State. You, you feel like you've got a good chance in this game and uh, you're coming in with the offense clicking. And the last time they went down there, um, this was the season opener of, of, of 2020, like one of those first games in the COVID season where LSU just now granted, you know, different defensive coordinator, but LSU decided to try to man up and uh, play Mississippi State and that Mike Leach offense that way. And it did not work at all. And and State torched them. And so I think um, this is this is one that State certainly feels like this is a place they can go in and win. Meanwhile, LSU is is looking at this as this is an opportunity not to completely redeem themselves from the Florida State loss, but if they can win this game, you know, get back on track, one and zero in the conference, and I, I think they'll they'll feel like they're in a much better spot than probably the way they felt for for most of last week for sure. So uh, I, I think for both teams, it's just um, it's a you know it's a feel good opportunity as far as starting one and zero in the conference in a game that is, it's, uh, it's not a gimme. You know, this is one that, uh, this is one that could go either way. And so someone's going to come away uh, feeling good about their chances for the season. And the other one, um, the other one is going to start to turn pretty negative. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, I, would you say it's safe to say though, like if you watch LSU when they played FSU and that at that point, they kind of, especially that week one loss for LSU against UCLA, that they kind of showed that blueprint really how to beat them. Yeah, so if you look at at what happened in that game, LSU was really just out of sorts um, offensively, where it it seemed like that there was a lot of, um, maybe a lack of chemistry, I guess is the best way to say it, with Jaden Daniels 
and his receivers. And when you have a when you have a, a quarterback who transfers in, uh, it's it's going to take time. Like you're not just going to be on the same page with everybody from day one. And you could see there were a lot of times in that game where it looked like he could have stayed in the pocket longer and he took off and ran. Now he ended up with a lot of rushing yardage, which was good. Uh, some of them, he made the right decision to run, but there are other times you just felt like he probably could have made a, a bigger play if he had been a little bit more patient. And it could be a combination of not having uh, chemistry with his receivers and, and also um, not being as comfortable in the offense overall, as far as his reads and and knowing exactly uh, what he's looking at, and so I, I think as the season goes on, you'll you'll get uh, you'll get more of that from Jaden Daniels as far as as the comfort, and I I, I think this is uh, this is where you may see it, and, and I think this is a good opportunity for him against a a solid defense uh, to go out and show that he's made progress over the last two weeks. I know this game is a toss-up, but for you, who do you have coming out on top? I like Mississippi State. Um, I, I'm I'm encouraged by what I've seen from their offense. Well, really on both sides of the ball, but I mean, it, it always with a Mike Leach team. Yeah, with a, with a Mike Leach team, it always starts on the offensive side. I mean, if they're not moving the ball and scoring a lot of points, then they're, they're not going to win many games. Um, but, but they've been solid defensively as well. And uh, I just... I feel like I, I know a lot more about who Mississippi State is right now than I than I do LSU. It's just it's easier for me to have confidence in them. So um, obviously I, w- I will not be surprised at all if LSU wins the game. But if, if you're asking me to pick it, I'm I'm picking State. Mm-hmm. For the three non-conference games, what what do you like out of those schedules? What are you most excited to see? Even though it's not the sexiest schedule for this week three, but out of those, what would what would you look at and say? You know, I think this is going to be a, a pretty solid game. Yeah, so so we'll we'll save the uh, the A and M game for last because I think that one is the most significant game because of what's on the line. Uh, but let's look at um, f- first of all, Ole Miss at Georgia Tech. I mean, we we saw Georgia Tech get blown out by Clemson in, in Week One, so we know they're not a good team. They they haven't been a good team for a while. This is a game Ole Miss absolutely has to win, and it's also one that if Georgia Tech hangs around, pushes them to the limit you start to have some questions about Ole Miss. But Ole Miss is in a situation right now. they got to figure out who their quarterback is mm-hmm. um, because they've, they've kind of played two guys for the first two weeks, and I don't know that that's sustainable uh, going forward. You, you can't go through the whole season that way. So I think that's kind of what Lane Kiffin's trying to figure out here is who is his quarterback, and and it's, it's a good step up in competition from what they had previously faced, but not so big of a step up that um, – you know, that it, that it's a huge challenge for them. And so I, I think it's a, it's a good opponent for Ole Miss. And then the other one, which is intriguing is Penn state at Auburn. And this is one that on paper, it sounds really good because these are two teams that are quite often uh, ranked, not only in the top 25, but you know, you'll see both of them in the top 10 uh, in a given season uh, on a, on a regular basis. And, and yet the people who follow these teams and these conferences don't really expect much from either one of them this year. And so it's probably one of those that like, this is great timing, right? To play, week two, they're both two and oh, it, it's one that's going to make the game feel a lot bigger than it probably is. And I think we'll look back at the end of the season and we'll say, yeah, you know, that not sure either one of those teams was very good. Um, 
but I, I'm I'm excited to watch it, see what uh, what Auburn can do, especially with with the home field and, and a big game situation. And uh, for Penn State, I mean, this is this is big. And look, it, it in a roundabout way, it kind of affects the top of the SEC because we're always looking at the possibility the SEC could get two teams in the playoff. And mm-hmm. this year, there's also a possibility the Big Ten could get two teams in the playoff with Ohio State and Michigan. Penn State plays both Ohio State and Michigan. Auburn plays both Georgia and Alabama. And so whoever wins this game, it's going to make them a better looking opponent for the selection committee when they start deciding, okay, if, if, if a conference is going to get a second team in, which one is it going to be? And, and I think especially on the Penn State side, this is a game that if they can win it, they're probably going to end up in the top 25 for a lot of the season. And if they do, it's going to be a feather in the cap of both Ohio State and Michigan to have beaten Penn State. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm, I'm still not sure they're that good, but um, it, it's a big game for the Big Ten for that reason, bigger than I think it is for the SEC. Because if Penn State wins, um, then, then it, it does give an opportunity for two of the, of the top teams in the Big Ten to have one more quality win on the resume. And I think especially for a team like Michigan, that has such a weak overall schedule would really help them at Penn State's rank. So for, for me, that's the significance of this game more so than, you know, what either team would necessarily get out of winning it. it it's just really, it's, it's bigger for the playoff contenders that are in those two conferences. Definitely down the line, down the line. And that's where all those games early in the season matter rather than trying to make right. that. That's right at the end of the season. Like you said, you wanted to keep this game for the last uh, topic that we talked about, A&M in Miami, uh, Miami traveling to College Station. This one, I think, is going to be a pretty good game, especially when you look at Texas A&M, like you said, who just lost to App State and needs to really redeem themselves. Yeah, they do. And this is where we're going to find out what this A&M team has, because uh, they clearly were caught off guard last weekend, weren't expecting the fight they got from App State. And if they have it in them to be a top 10, top 20 caliber team, this is where we're going to see it because their backs are against the wall here. And I, I realize it's only week three. They only have one loss on the season. But if you look at the next four games for AM, and let's remember, they're coming off of a loss. They have Miami here. They have Arkansas next week. They're at Mississippi State the week after that. And then they're at Alabama. Yeah. Mm. It it is not far fetched at all. The way that A and M has looked the first two weeks, to imagine them losing four more games in a row, to to lose all four of those, and to start the season one and five. And I'm not saying it would be the most disastrous start to a season ever for a preseason top ten team, but it would be up there. Uh, so, for A and M, you know what whatever you have, dig deep and, and find it now because this is where you got to show it. If you have it. You know, you've got your home crowd behind you. And I, I think they're all aware of the situation, too. And they know the desperation here. Um, th- there is a high sense of urgency for AM, and uh, I would expect their A game. The question is, is their A game good enough? Um, because Miami has looked good through two weeks, and I think they're, they're much improved. I think they have a lot of confidence. Um, they have a better quarterback, it appears, than they've had in quite a while. And so... Um, I, I think this is going to be a big challenge for AM and um, the, the whole next month is, is really just kind of living on the edge if you're if you're AM because the, the next four weeks are going to really determine 
whether this season is a success or a failure for them. So with Van Dyke, obviously at quarterback, you'd have to, do, do you assume that Texas A&M is probably going to be more de a defensive mindset going into Saturday's game? Well, I think we're going to learn how good the A&M defense is. Um, they, you know, they've been solid the last couple of years. They were really good in the season opener against weaker competition. And then last week, the numbers weren't bad, but in the second half when they needed to get stops, they they often didn't against App State. App State converted way too many third and fourth downs. And so uh, this is an opportunity for A&M's defense to to really step it up and, and show that they can carry this team because the offense from what I've seen is not going to carry this team. This is a team that when they get into sec play is going to have to be able to find a way to win games that are played in the twenties that they're not going to go out and score 30, 40 points against good teams very often. So, um, so yeah, I think this is, this is a chance for that defense um, to really make a statement and, and show that they're good enough uh, to help this team uh, remain in the top 25 this season and 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 really be relevant because that's that's what it's about at this point for a and m it's just it's just staying relevant and having a, a good season and being able to capitalize on um, the great recruiting class that they just had and, and just right. keep moving the program forward because right now it feels like it's kind of walking that tightrope you talk about being relevant right do you look at the other teams that are playing like I don't want to say uh, you know other these other FCS schools or things like that when you look at Tennessee who's playing Akron this week right and then they've got a big game against Florida the following week do those games really matter as far as more so you know not just getting another win on the column or you know do you still have to take those games just as serious I know I know they're going to say we take them just as serious right of course that's that's the proper answer to say but how, how important are those type of games I don't think that it's necessarily important to go out and, and dominate, you know, it, it's, it's important. And I hate to say it this way because you're, you're going out there with the idea of winning a football game, but for a lot of time, a lot of teams, especially in the sec and these types of games, don't get anybody hurt. Like you, 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 you don't want to, I mean, obviously you don't want anybody to get hurt in any game, but especially is tough to take when when you have a, a season-ending injury to a key player in a game that you you know you didn't need them to even play in to be able to win, and and so those types of games are always a little scary. I think for coaches because of the possibility of injury, and it's always a question of how many reps do you get them, how many series do you leave them in for, how far into the second half do they play, for example, and that's why you want your team to be sharp. You want them to have that big halftime lead so you can justify taking out the starters early in the second half, not risking injury uh, any longer than you have to. Um, but it doesn't always work out that way. You know, sometimes, especially when you look at Tennessee coming off of a, of a big road win, this is a natural place for, for them and, and a number of other teams in the SEC this week to come out flat. And if they do, um, I'm not saying Tennessee will get tested, but some of them will get tested. If, if, if they're not ready to play. And, and so that's always the tricky thing is that, uh, you know, look, unless, unless you are a serious playoff contender, and at this point, I don't think there are more than two of those in the sec, right? The style points don't matter. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter whether you win the game by seven or you, you win it by, by 47. Um, but yeah, you, you want to, you want to keep progressing as a team and you, 
whatever things that you didn't do well last week, you know, you want to work on those and get better this week. And that's what these types of games are all about. Well, obviously there's a good slate of football games. It's not the sexiest games, but enough games to get us through a good uh, Saturday of football, especially when it comes to SEC and those non-conference games. Um, now you posted the question, have some SEC questions for our podcast office today. And we had some good ones. Coley first said, does the pain ever end? He is a loyal, seems like A&M fan. So yes. oh, I'll, I'll that one. <laughs> yeah. So look, I, half of my family went to A&M. So, so I'm well aware of the pain of being an A&M fan. And um, just, just for those who don't know where Cully's coming from here, this century. So, I mean, we're just going to say since 2000, Texas A&M for all the resources they have, all the money, all the recruiting advantages of, you know, just within a, hundred mile radius of their campus, the number of four and five star players there are, they have had only two seasons with fewer than four losses. I mean, it really is hard to believe. I mean, they, they yeah. had the, the, the Johnny Manziel Heisman season where they lost two games. And then they had the COVID season where they were nine and one, they only played 10 games, but um, mm -hmm. you know, even if they had played 13 games that season, I don't think they were going to lose four. Um, but, but still, that's it. And so for AM, like even when the expectations are high, like you're still like, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I want to buy in quite yet because stuff always happens. And it, you know, look what happened last Saturday. And, and so that's kind of where they are right yeah. now. That they're um obviously aware of of what we just talked about a few minutes ago. Um is the schedule coming up and and that this could end up being a, a complete disaster. Does the pain ever end? I, I don't know. Well, and so here's the here's the other thing for AM. And I know that their fans are also aware of this, even though most people in the SEC aren't really thinking about it. Texas is about to join the SEC. And AM has recruited well in recent years. And one of the reasons they have is because for, for kids in the state of Texas, there's an opportunity to go to AM and play in the SEC. Whereas if you went to Texas, you're playing in the Big 12. And a lot of these guys would rather have the opportunity to play in the SEC. That advantage in recruiting is about to go away with Texas joining the conference. So this right. was kind of the window of opportunity for AM, um, you know, to be able to, to have a leg up on Texas and, and to really, you know, make hay. And for the most part, they haven't done it. And so I, you know, I, I don't think the pain's going to end anytime soon, Cully. I hate to say it, but that's 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 the way maybe, I see it. Maybe the pain will end just, just for a win over Miami. Maybe the pain will end then. Well, I look. Just yeah, if, I think right now, if if they can just stop the bleeding um, in September, that that would be good enough for A and M fans for the moment. Well, actually, this was a good one. Jacob Thigpen says Arkansas is looking excellent right now, but good lord, look at the gauntlet after. They play Missouri State on Saturdays, who is scheduled for four road games in Bama over the next five games. Do you think the Razorbacks get through this run three and two or better? Ooh, all right. Let me let me pull up the schedule because I've I've got a look. Yeah, so at they've it, got uh, they've got Texas A&M on the twenty fourth of this month, yep. Bama on October first and October eighth at Mississippi State. Then they've got uh, BYU on the road, and then they finish that month out with Auburn. So I think they beat Auburn. Well, three yeah, I mean, look, th this is, and it, 
and, and obviously it's not surprising because they're in the same division as A&M, but this is a very similar schedule to what we just talked about that A&M has for the next few weeks. Um, obviously they play each other. So that's one of the games. Um, they, they both play Mississippi state and they both play Alabama. So um, in fact, I think they're both at Mississippi state. Mm-hmm. Arkansas, however, is in a better spot right now. Um, I, I'll tell you where I'm, where I'm worried about Arkansas is, is their cornerback play has, has been atrocious actually through the first two weeks. Um, I hate to say that, um, but that's the reality of it. And going against Mississippi state, especially on the road, that that's not a good setup for a team that's, that's really having issues in the secondary right now. So I don't love their chances there. Um, I don't love their chances against Alabama. I mean, we saw, um, Texas had a lot of success against Alabama's offense last week. And, and, you know, part of the reason is that they were able to keep Alabama's receivers from getting open. So once again, issues in the secondary, are you going to be able to keep Alabama's receivers from getting open? Probably not. Yeah. And, and another thing is that Arkansas is such a good running team. Um, Alabama is really, really difficult to run on. You can have success throwing on them, but running is not easy. So, I see them losing the Alabama game. I, you probably gathered that I, I, I don't like their chances uh, at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, though, I, I like them to beat A&M. Uh, I like them to beat Auburn. And the BYU game, I think, is going to be the key. At BYU yeah. is really going to determine, do they go 3-2 and two or 2-3 two and three, um, mm-hmm. in this run? And um, look, I'll keep coming back to it because I, I picked I picked Arkansas uh preseason as a team that I thought had a really good chance to make the new year six, to go 10 and two, get into one of those games. And so this is for, for my prediction, this is a, this is a big stretch right here. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm rooting for them calling the hogs. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I see them, you know, if I had to pick it right now, I'm saying two and three, because I, I, right That's now right. I think they lose to BYU. So Right. But we'll see. The way we'll that see. They got to get, they just have to get, have to get better in the secondary. Right. Right. Yeah. The cornerback plays you were talking about. Now, on the other side, you're looking at a team like Tennessee, Spence is saying, when is it okay to get excited about the season? We've <laughs> obviously seen these times where your team goes 1 0, 2 0, 3 0, and you just, you're like, yeah, just count the whole season. We're, we're going to the national championship. And then heartbreak slowly comes as we know, especially as Tennessee fans and whatnot. So the question is, when do you really get excited about the, about a team that's doing well, that can go far uh, for you and then by the end of the season? Yeah, so you wouldn't know anything about this, would you, Ashley, as far as Tennessee like no. setting you up and letting you down and, you know. No, no listen, we've gone to the national championship every year in my mind. So that's all that matters at this point. <laughs> So, so, all right. So, so right now, Tennessee two and O having, you know, won a road game against a top 20 team in Pitt, And, and I, I understand the reluctance and, and here's the biggest part of it. If you're a Tennessee fan, um, you have to play Georgia and Alabama every year. And at the moment, those are arguably the two best teams in college football. It's not that you can't beat them, that it's impossible. You just don't expect to beat them. Right. And, and if you're, if you're sitting there going down the schedule and you're saying, Oh, this is a win, this is a loss. You have to count both of those as a loss right now. And, and it's a bonus, major bonus. If you happen to upset one of them, but, but at this time, 
you have to assume both of those are losses. And so you're already just building two losses into the schedule before you ever get started. And that that's a bummer. Right. Um, but, but, you know, you look at these next few games, you mentioned Akron, which they shouldn't have to worry about this coming Saturday. But after that, they host Florida at LSU. I mean, look, it seems like everybody in the SEC has got a gauntlet coming up in the, in the next month because uh, th- their three games after Akron are Florida at LSU and then uh, then they play Alabama. And and mm-hmm. as we've seen this past weekend, Kentucky, you know, Kentucky is a, is a force to be reckoned with. Uh, maybe not on the level that Georgia is, but Kentucky is going to be a tough team to beat. And, you know, for Tennessee, you, you do have that that typical – November uh, easing of the schedule, especially late. And they, they, they start November with Georgia, but they close with Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. So you would think, you would think that <laughs> I know, I, Tennessee, Tennessee lately has lost too many games to South Carolina and Vanderbilt to take those for granted either. But you would think that those are three straight wins to end it. And it really just, you know, what do you do with this middle of the season stretch? And uh, that's going to determine it. But to, to answer the question, um, it is way too soon to get excited if you're a Tennessee fan because th- there's still too many landmines left on that schedule, including the two almost certain losses. Well, to be fair, if you're a Tennessee fan and you're 2-0, you've got to take the momentum now and you've, you've got to talk your stuff now because you don't know when that day is going to come. Okay, so <laughs> let, you know what my, my advice is, if you know if you're a Tennessee fan, just enjoy it while you can. I like this question from Travis, though. He said, how does another conference close the gap on the SEC? Who and will, uh, who and will will it happen? Sorry, is what he said. So that's that's interesting because SEC is such a such a huge power conference. You can see like Texas wanting to join is going to be joining. I don't think you should have two UTs, but hey, that's just me. Um, but, two but, orange but, but that's, Exactly, that's just too much in one. What's up with that? But that, that's a good question, though. You know how what who's going to be that conference and when will that happen? Well, the only conference that at this point could legitimately rival the SEC would be the Big Ten, because the the way that expansion has gone, you know, the power is kind of consolidating in those two conferences. And and yeah, with with Oklahoma and Texas joining the league, I don't think on the field anyone can rival the SEC, because when you look at the Big Ten for for all the money that it can generate because of these big alumni bases and and you know, a lot of these teams that pack a lot of fans into the stadium for, for all their home games, they're not as good as the SEC top to bottom. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's not just at, you know, the, the Alabama-Georgia level, because the only team I would put, you know, on that tier with those two is Ohio State, which is in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Michigan, look, until Michigan wins a, a big game other than, you know, at home against Ohio State, Mm-hmm. I, I have a hard time putting Michigan into that category. They can beat up on all the cupcakes and, you know, that, that they've done that for years anyway. And it's still, when it comes down to it, they haven't been able to, to beat the the biggest teams out there. So, but, but outside of that, who is there? And, and that's the thing. Like when you look at the sec and I, I mentioned this a, a couple of weeks ago, it's not just Alabama. I mean, obviously you got Georgia yeah. too, but Three seasons ago, it was LSU put together one of the the greatest college football seasons ever as far as like the number of of top 25 teams they beat along the way to going undefeated. You know, you look throughout this whole 
you know, BCS slash playoff era, even Tennessee has a national championship in the BCS playoff era. Um, you've got to go all the way back to 1998, but, but even, you know, even in the last 15 years, you've got Florida, uh, has, has won. You have, uh, Auburn has won. And so it, it's not just Alabama, uh, and and it, it's not just Alabama and Georgia. You have other teams. And right now in the Big Ten, it, it's just Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State is is the only team in that conference that has won a playoff game. Um, the other two teams in that league that have gotten into the playoff, Michigan and Michigan State, both got embarrassed. Ohio State's gotten embarrassed in the playoff a couple times too. Yeah. Uh, but, but at least they've won some games. So I just don't see – the big 10 having enough good teams to ever rival the sec. I, to me, it, it, it would have to be more than five years down the line. Uh, I just yeah. can't see it happening in the next five years that, that, that yeah. even the big 10 would be able to yeah. rival the sec as far as how good the top, you know, five or six mm-hmm. teams are. Well, it's interesting. Interesting. Cause you look at, like you said, all these teams moving in different conferences and stuff. And even though the ACC, when it comes to football is definitely not as strong, what do you do with those Miamis and the Clemsons? You know, do they stay in those conferences? Do they go into another conference with way more competition? Because those are two top caliber teams, right? You're not going to look at them and say they beat Georgia tech. Oh, wow. They're awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the question is, uh, first of all, can Miami and I'll throw Florida state in there too. Can, can they get back to what they were? Because the legitimacy of the ACC really depends on that. Uh, it can't be just Clemson. And, and, you know, when the ACC first expanded, they weren't expecting anything out of Clemson. It it was going to be Miami and Florida state were going to be the difference. And, you know, at that point, um, Virginia tech was a big get and it, and, and they've, fallen off significantly in recent years. So what do you have in, in the ACC? I mean, I, I think it really depends on those Florida schools and then what's going to happen, you know, within the landscape of the sport in the next few seasons, we know that the ACC has what's called a grant of rights deal, which means that everyone in that conference is under contract where as long as the conference is still in existence, that the rights, the TV rights to their home games belong to the ACC. So if mm-hmm. you're a Miami or Florida State or Clemson, you can't just get up and bolt to the SEC. Or let's throw North Carolina in there, which I think the SEC right. and the Big Ten both would be interested in. Um, you, you can't just leave. Your, your, your TV revenue doesn't come with you. And, and those conferences aren't going to want you without the TV revenue. Uh, so... Mm-hmm. So it, it's not as simple as, hey, just, you know, go to a, a, a better conference for football. Um, but as far as those leagues getting better, it, it starts with those Florida schools. And mm-hmm. and they're still not going to be at the SEC level. But right. for them to be legitimate conferences where, I mean, look, we've talked about the Power Five for years, right? And at this point, it's the Power Two. But if it was ever going to be a Power Three, where you would say, okay, the ACC's closer to say the big 10 than it is to the big 12, it's going to take those Florida schools stepping mm-hmm. up their game and, and really becoming regular fixtures in the top 15. Right. And I think that's when you looked at Miami, what a couple of years ago when they played Clemson in the championship game, uh, the ACC championship game at Bank of America stadium. And that was, I was there the one time me too. I, I thought, Oh, wow, man, Miami's going to get this one. I was like, Oh, we're going to see the turnover chain. 
And boy, I was eating ice cream by the second quarter. Like, this <laughs> yeah, it, that was to me, that was like, you know, that was that was the ceiling for them. Like that, that was a time to put those Florida schools back on top. But obviously, didn't yeah, and that was that was the year Miami started. I think they started 10 and 0 that year and they lost a pit mm -hmm. uh, right before the ACC yep. championship game. And then the bottom fell out on them. But um, yeah, there have been too many seasons where uh, Miami or Florida State have just been pretenders that got exposed late in the year. And uh, they, they, they just need to be better. And I, I think, I think Miami's going to get better with Mario Cristobal as head coach. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Now that they at least have seemed to have found some type of a good quarterback, right? Because that was an issue for them for the last couple of years. They couldn't stay consistent really in that position. Uh, but going back to the SEC, staying with that, how would you rank the undefeated SEC teams? That question comes from John. Undefeated SEC teams. Okay. Let me see how many of them there are. I'm guessing they're around eight. Let's see. One, two, three in the East, Kentucky, Georgia, Tennessee, and yep, five in the West, um, Arkansas, Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss. Okay. The, the, the top is easy. I, I'll put Georgia uh, followed by Alabama. And then the bottom is easy. I'm going to go with Auburn as the as the worst of the eight SEC undefeated teams. Mm -hmm. Now, now is where it gets fun. Um, based on what I have seen so far, I'm going to put Ole Miss at number seven. Um, I, 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 they just have not excited me uh, up to this point. It's not their fault necessarily. They haven't played anybody. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of where I'm going to slot Ole Miss because of that. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with. Kentucky as three, Arkansas okay. at four. And then these, I mean, you get into this group here. I mean, really including Ole Miss, to be honest. I mean, the three through seven, there's not much separating these teams. They, right. they, they could sit there and play, you know, play seven game series against each other. And, and most of them are going to go the full seven games. But um so then I'll go um, where my Tennessee, I guess, at five. Um, and then Mississippi State at six. Is that what it least means? Yeah. So I would. So I have Georgia, Alabama, Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee, Mississippi State, and then Ole Miss, and then Auburn. That that would be my order that I would currently rank, and mm -hmm. and. Hey, you could ask this question to me every week, and that order is going to change. Yeah, that that's how close the that group of teams is, like at, at three through seven. But um, but this week, that's what I got for you. That's definitely a question, like you said, that that could be that can change every every week that you look at that. I'm sure if we talk to you on next Tuesday, that's not this probably won't be the same list. We'll probably jump Tennessee up to one and then we'll do Georgia, Alabama and then yeah. So I'm sure Tennessee will be number one next week. Yeah, no no doubt about it. But no, this is I, I used to have to when I worked at ESPN had to do the power ratings every mm -hmm. Sunday. You had to send them in and it was such a pain because mm -hmm. the, like the very top is easy. Just and 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 then, but when you're doing a top 25 for college football, you, you, you get into these areas where they, like, they're all the same team and, right. and you've got to put them in some sort of order. And it's, it's not easy. I know we love to make fun of the polls and, and I, mm -hmm. you know, I already did make fun of the coaches <laughs> poll, 
earlier in this podcast, but um, it, it in some ways is very difficult to do. You would think it would be simple, um, but if you're actually putting thought into it, uh, and, and I'm, not everybody does put thought into it, it's pretty clear from looking at it. Um, but right. if you do, if you do, um, it, it's it's not a, a quick and simple exercise. Yeah, I could never be one that does it because then I'm going straight off bias. You know, I'm I'm not a, I'm not even looking at the team. I'm just looking at what I you know. I'm just. Tennessee. Wouldn't be the only one. Yeah, it doesn't even matter. But like you said, a good slate of games this this coming weekend. Some of them, not the entire schedule, but some ones that we're going to be excited to look at. We're obviously going to break down on Thursday what Georgia and South Carolina look like, Mississippi State and LSU. We can get more into that. Texas A&M as well as Miami games. So we'll be back on Thursday to preview Saturday's game. Uh, Brad, you got any last parting co uh, comments before we get out of here? I, I would just say uh... – Hold on to your seats if uh, if you're one of those teams playing against the group of five this week because somebody's going to get a scare. Someone's going to be listen. One of the players are going to be listening to you and they're going to get some added motivation for this on Saturday. So don't worry, it'll be you. Maybe I'll just pick the other team to win. That'll give them some motivation there. Probably that's we have, we, should, we should have picked App State last week, but listen, we didn't have the guts. Write them off. What, what do I was listening to Monday Night Football yesterday? He said, "What did Geno Smith said it? Yeah, they wrote me off, but I didn't write him back." So there you go. That's how that's how it works. You coming from? Well, all right. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday to preview Saturday's game. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.